The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group, Ohio. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. This is WHIO's consumer warrior, Clark Howard. Beware scam artists in Dayton. I'll find you out. This is WHIO meteorologist, Kirsty Zantini. If weather breaks this hour, we will break it. And you're listening to an Ask the Expert weekend on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. There is a season turn, 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 and a time to every purpose. Welcome to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan, and I'm back on today. I'm not off. I'm not away. You are here today, I think, for the, for the most part. I am. I There's am. that extra cup of coffee. Yes. That was you're fully, fully present to us. I am. So, thank you for joining us today, and if you've been here before, then we very much appreciate you coming back. If this is your first time with us, well, get set for an hour like no other on the radio. Because here is where we deal with the good stuff Mm. and also the difficult stuff, Mm. the challenges of everyday living with a special focus on the various seasons of our lives and how change and aging affect us and the choices we make or will need to make for ourselves and for our loved ones in the future. We cram a lot into an hour But we always have time for you. Yes, we do. And the easiest way to share your insights and experiences with us is through this number, 457-1290. That's 937-457-1290. You can also write to us anytime at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com or by mail at thereisaseason, care of WHIO Radio, 1611 South Main Street, Dayton, Ohio. Four five four zero two. Keep those letters and telegrams coming, and uh, also be sure to share our program with others around the country or around the world by encouraging them to listen at nine a.m. Eastern to whio.com or to find us on the iHeartRadio app. We also have podcasts of these programs, which we'll tell you about a little bit later on. Now, longtime listeners to this program may recall that over time we'll do shows on health and wellness, financial and legal matters residential transitions, relationships, and a whole lot more. But we also find ourselves occasionally delving into philosophical, social, and ethical issues. Our goal in some of these shows is to sometimes poke and prod at the status quo. We like to do that, don't we, Bob? Yeah, easy with the poking. (laughs) Or to draw your attention to um, and engage you into cultural and social questions of the day. We don't make a point of being purposely political on this program. There's ample time devoted to that on other shows. But we also don't shy away from political questions or the ramifications of policy on society and particularly our families. So with that, we'll embark on today's topic. So what does the word entitlement mean to you when you hear it? The term entitlement frequently pops up in discussions about the role of government in our lives. And while politicians and pundits and uh, special interest groups often debate about the immediate financial impact of the modern entitlement state, we go through this all the time with these budget conversations, well, there are other ramifications that come as a result of living in a country so entitled. These include problems with future financial liability and stability, Increasing bureaucracy, and, and who doesn't love increasing bureaucracy? Really, I mean, just think <laughs> about it. I, I just love it. You do. You never complain the, about it. The encouragement of, uh, of dependency, right? And some serious impacts on our freedoms, though many may not see it quite that way. As we discuss this today, we're going to ask you to think about your attitudes with regard to entitlements. What do entitlements include? Who should get them? And why or why not? If you'd like to weigh in, once again, our number is 457-1290. And don't wait until the end of the show to call in. Yes, because at the end of the show, we have to talk very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Or you're going to have to talk really fast (laughs) if you call in. (laughs) It's like the old FedEx guy who does the commercials. Remember, if anybody remembers those from 30 years ago when they talk really fast, I'm going to absolutely have to to be there overnight. That's because they get their their things there really fast. Right. So uh, we start here today with an article that appeared in the Washington Times that was from this year. Uh, and it was by uh, a couple of gentlemen, uh, William 
Medendorf and Dan Negria. And it, it says, uh, it starts off by going, if something cannot go on forever, it will stop. That was a quote attributed to Herbert Stein, who was President Nixon's chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors. America's national debt. Okay, the, the just I know we're going to talk a little bit about numbers today, but we're going to try not to get too deep into all that. But oh, America's good. national debt has grown from 32% of the GDP, that's the gross domestic product, in 1981 to 68% in 2008 and 108% in 2017. Now, before I go any further, let me just put that in context, all right? Our current GDP, that is the total uh, monetized value of all goods and services in an economy in a year. And if you happen to hear it at the first quarter or the second quarter, that just means that the year is trending toward that figure. Right now, we're a little under $20 trillion. I like to throw these That's numbers not around. That's very much, Bob. Because I'm, I'm going to be a pundit on the radio and just throw trillion around. So just a little <laughs> under $20 trillion. Our current debt is over $21 trillion. So we're actually in a deficit mode. And we have been for a long, long time, as people know, uh, not just due to the previous presidency. Uh, if you go back, Many, many years, we've been a debtor nation now for quite a while, and every single year, we, we continue to add to that. So the national debt is high, and some components are growing on autopilot. That is, we keep adding to it, uh, where certain things seem to be discretionary and have an awful lot of rhetoric and arguments about it. Certain other things don't. Certain other things just occur year in, year out. Yeah, the December 2017 tax bill was a great accomplishment, but it will increase the national debt. So the same is true for the recent two-year budget and the upcoming infrastructure bill. America must get its debt under control, and entitlements reform is the only way to do it, some shall say. So how high is the national debt? As I mentioned, $21 trillion, and by the time this show is over, it'll be quite a bit higher. <laughs> uh, you know, a 2010 study by the International Monetary Fund took a look at this, and they were talking about this notion of uh, fiscal space which defines a country's ability to borrow. Countries must refinance their debt, and if the debt becomes excessive, eventually nobody wants to lend to them. So fiscal space is the difference between the current debt level of a country and the debt level at which it loses market access to money. People just get too skittish. So defining this space is a little bit more art than science. Economic growth counts as a positive, and expected spending increases as a negative, right? So if, if you're growing as a country, that's good. People figure you're a good bet. They're willing to, you know, Think that finance in the future that. it'll continue. Even if right. you have a debt. Right. However, if, you, if you're out of control, right, hmm. uh, and, and you're, you're in a point where you're in a recession or, you know, taxes are too high or interest rates have come too high and you can't borrow money, then everything starts to contract. So the upper limit of fiscal space is a danger point. And once there and beyond, nations can only borrow at exorbitant rates. Interest rates have been low here for the last, I don't know, eight to nine years. So it's not that much of an issue. But once it turns around, as it has in places like Greece and Argentina, things really get out of hand. Right. So <clears throat> a 2016 update of the study suggested that countries with high debt should focus on economic growth, which we're doing or we're trying to do in this country. And it discouraged debt reduction through higher taxes and austerity. Growth builds a larger economy and with it the tax base to pay down debt. High taxes smother growth. Now, how much fiscal space does America have? Moody's, a top rating agency, answered in a 2016 study. So, in a group of 30 developed countries, America ranked near the middle, close to Germany. At the top, with lots of fiscal space, was Norway and no surprise, near the bottom with no fiscal space was Greece. Now, America's debt, despite everything you've heard, is still considered a tolerable level, right? But the outlook's not so good if you look at population trends and so forth. Paying interest on the national debt is manageable today, but interest rates, as I said, are low. Rates will inevitably start to rise. The Congressional Budget Office estimates that by 2027, not that far off in the future here, the U.S. will pay more on interest than on our entire military. So America will need to borrow new money to pay interest on an old debt. So room to maneuver in a recession is also an issue. In past recessions, the U.S. reduced taxes and increased spending to stimulate the economy out of the recession. It's not an uncommon thing for people to try to do that. But these tools can't be used if the national debt is already high. 
And without government help, the next recession could very well be much more severe than what we saw in 2008 and 2009. Right. And the dynamics of the debt are even more worrisome than the absolute levels. Solutions 2018, a study by the Heritage Foundation, a prominent Washington think tank, showed that the publicly held portion of the national debt was 34% of GDP in 2000. It grew to 77% in 2017 and will reach, are you ready? 123% in 2027. The 2027 level is unprecedented and will exceed the previous peak, which was reached during World War II. Now, even more remarkable is the growth in mandatory spending, money that is spent on autopilot. It was 26% of the federal budget in 1965, but will grow to 64% in 2020. Net interest was 7% in 1965 and will be 11% in 2020. As a result, discretionary spending, which was 68% in 1962, will be squeezed to just 24% of the federal growth budget by 2020. So most of the stuff that goes on in the budget, you've got interest payments over here. That's one big chunk. You've got defense spending, right? That's another big chunk. You've got uh, discretionary spending, which covers an awful lot of stuff. And that's where a lot of the debates happen. That's where this whole, you know, the wrangling goes on with our Congress about this or that thing, whether there's earmarks or not earmarks, whether there's pork in the, in the, the, the budget or not. But the thing that's really going on all the time is the mandatory spending on entitlements. Now, and, and this is a question we're going to ask you here. Do you think of these things as entitlements anymore? Are they so ingrained in the American psyche? Uh, it's, it's easy for people to kind of point at welfare programs and say, well, that's an entitlement, right? right? Those people don't deserve that. But Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid are the three largest entitlements. There was a time in this country we didn't have those things. We had life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then understandably, following the, the, uh, the Great Depression, FDR and others added the notion of security, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and security. And he was very, very aware, very adept at this as a politician, and basically said, I dare some poor sucker to try to get rid of this down the road. So Social Security became an issue. Then the late 60s, eventually Medicare, Medicaid came on. Well, those three things now dwarf anything else in the budget. And all three programs are slated to run out of money. And what they mean here is that in, in a lot of cases, these are IOUs that are written from the general fund of our budget back toward these programs. But there aren't enough people to pay for to the people them. using them. Right. So Social Security is slated to run out in 2035, Medicare in 2029, and Medicaid in 2028. Increased taxes to make the programs fiscally healthy is not the answer. Higher taxes reduce economic growth, which we will need to pay down our debt. But the question I wonder here is, is it inevitable? Is the future generation going to have to face taxes no matter what because of these population trends? And so we're talking about billions of this and trillions of that. And does any of it really matter to you? If you had your way, would you change the direction that entitlements are going in this country and how? What would you feel about entitlements that you've come to understand or come to expect? 457-1290 is the number when we come back. We're also going to be talking about some other truths of entitlement spending and also how entitlement attitudes, the psychology of entitlement, harms America. Interesting new topic here today for you on our program. We ask you to stay with us. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. It's an Ask the Experts weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Listen, can you hear it? That's the call of adventure. Whoa, intense. But that's what you get at Miami Valley Gaming. Because on April the 28th, we're giving away a brand new Keystone Cougar half-ton RV or 20000 cash. So if you're someone who's looking for adventure, come down for your chance to win on April 28th. See player services for complete rules. Must be 21. Gambling problem in Ohio? Call the gambling helpline at 1-800-589-9966. All hospices are not created equal. Your local Ohio's hospice provider is not-for-profit. That means more of every dollar goes toward expert patient care, not to shareholders. Our team of experts is available 24 hours a day to care for you when you need us. 
regardless of your ability to pay. Choose your community not-for-profit hospice. Choose Ohio's Hospice. Could you retire sooner than you think and with greater financial security? Hello, I'm David Gaylor, president of Tradewinds Financial Group. I'm also the author of Income Allocation. You will learn strategies to create a dependable, sustainable, and predictable income stream for your retirement. You'll also learn critical information about the two risks you must manage for a successful retirement. Learn more about these strategies and give Tradewinds Financial Group a call. 800-385-0437. That's 800-385-0437. Let me tell you why I love EDC. They take my favorite pin jewelry styles and bring them to life. At the Spring Bling event, they'll have all the brand new styles for 2018. And the designers will be in town to show me in person. I can take advantage of up to thousands of dollars in savings from up to 30% off store-wide or 48 months interest-free financing. Plus, I can schedule a personalized appointment to meet one-on-one with the designers April 27th through the 29th. It's true. If you haven't shopped EDC this spring, you're not done shopping yet. Why settle for for one-size-fits-all cancer treatment. At Dayton Physicians Network, we actively target your tumor, changing the size of the radiation field as the tumor shrinks. As your tumor responds, so do we. This helps prevent injury to the surrounding healthy tissue. At Dayton Physicians Network, we are leading the way with cutting-edge adoptive radiation therapy. This, with our modern cancer centers and top-notch treatment teams, work together to give you the best possible chance of a cure. Visit DaytonPhysicians.com. We are here for you. Treasure Trove in the Dayton and Fairfield malls offers retired and popular collectibles. Disney, Hollywood, Barbie, Lego, Coke, NASCAR, Boyds, and many more. Enjoy nostalgia, pop culture? Visit Treasure Trove Collectibles in the Fairfield Commons Mall and our newest location in the Dayton Mall. Temperatures rising through the 40s this morning with lots of clouds in place. Also a slight chance of a stray shower really at any point during the day. Highs today in the low 50s, but may feel slightly cooler as it's a little breezy from time to time. Later on tonight, skies clear and overnight lows will dip back close to freezing. Freeze warning in effect from 1 a.m. through 9 a.m. Sunday. For your Sunday, we'll have plenty of sunshine a bit better with temperatures approaching 60 degrees. I'm meteorologist McCall Eggs in the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. The Miami Valley's only radio station for 24-hour breaking news, weather and traffic. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. And good morning and welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. 457-1290 is the number to call if you'd like to weigh in on the topic today. We've been talking here now about entitlements, and the uh, question is, should we do anything about this? Should, should Washington try to do reform? You know, for all the, the blither-blather about this, every time people get close to this, right, it, they back away. If we go back a generation here, after George W. Bush got elected, mm-hmm. right, that was the big debate yes. right, between he and Gore. Would Social Security privatize 2% of, of things and allow people to have some latitude over that? He was getting raked over the coals, and we had 9-11, and it completely went away. Right. So should we do anything about that? Um, you know, should there be means testing on programs? Should we increase retirement age? All of those things are things we're interested in hearing from you about at 457-1290. But in the short term, we're going to welcome Zach from Centerville. Zach, welcome to the program. Thanks. Um, I, I think entitlements are probably here to stay. Uh, more than likely, when you think about it, everybody was promised something. And as a society, I think we've shifted from being willing to sacrifice for the greater common good to focusing on just ourselves and individualized um and i just don't think it's sustainable financially it's it's hard to blame people um uh, for thinking that way you you know it's it's one thing to try to step back especially if you've got some means if you feel like you're financially in a decent position you tend to look at these things and you can take it as somewhat of an, an academic subject and say well gosh we should do this we should do that but for people who have become used to a lot of these programs, you can sort of understand why they're so dependent on them. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got... And go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it, and everything is important to different people. Uh, my in-laws served our country and retired from the military and were promised free health care. Right. Well, since that's happened because of budget cuts, I think they spend several hundred dollars a year. Now, to me, as a private insurer 
who spends a couple thousand dollars a month on health care, a couple hundred dollars is nothing. But to them, it's a promise that hasn't been fulfilled. And I just don't see enough people being willing to lay down what was promised to them for the greater good to actually right the ship that eventually will will have a consequence. Yeah, it sounds like it. Okay, I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for waiting. Mm, We're going to welcome Bernie from uh, from Kettering. Bernie. Bob, how are you? Good. How, how is the sage this morning? Well, the sage is doing pretty good. I wish there were a way to take the health care system and have the option of, like, for the really people that are really bad off, that would be would use use the programs. But for the people who aren't bad off, who pay for all these people, that there were a way for the people who don't use it to get some of their money back that they pay seemingly for nothing. I have friends who feel that way. Well, why are we paying all this money in premiums when we're healthy and we don't really use it? Right. Well, There's, that was yeah, that was a lot of the debate about Obamacare as it was coming into into play. A lot of people were saying we could have reasonably insured whatever the number of uninsured were and there's a lot of debate about what that was that we could have insured those people for maybe a hundred billion dollars which here i am throwing the numbers around again a hundred billion dollars could have covered most of their needs but instead we build this massive program with all of these minimum requirements for people to have you know that count as insurance programs and of course, the price tag then immediately, while promised to be about a trillion, goes over two trillion, right. and becomes unworkable. Right. Uh, th- this notion of what is the promise? Going back to Zach's point, when somebody says we're going to make a promise to you, what does that mean? What? How open ended is that? And who controls that? Yeah, and I myself, I, 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 I don't, ex- I don't want promises, so I don't ask for them. But uh, you know, everything's at the point where. If it isn't sustained, nobody will have anything anyway in the future, right. distant future. Right. right. Good point. Yes. Okay. Thanks for calling again, Bernie. Thank you, Bernie. All right. Take you, care. You take care. Bye. We're just getting into this here. So, so we're raising some of these very questions. Um, you know, what is our thought? What is our feeling about entitlements in this country? Do we, I mean, some people don't even call them entitlements, right? Other people do. But the big three, Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, which seem to be growing on autopilot, and we're looking at $40, $50 trillion liabilities. Is that sustainable? Right. And a lot of people don't think of those as entitlements, as we mentioned earlier. We're talking more about the welfare recipients, right, who are able-bodied, right. not that's, working. Yeah, that's what people that's are thinking That's what people of. tend to think. So we're asking right. you to think about this. Four five seven twelve ninety. as we talk about this. We've got Michelle and Larry coming up here after the news. And maybe your call, four five seven twelve ninety. when we continue. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. When the Miami Valley gets hit with breaking news, severe weather, or traffic tie-ups, depend on us for up-to-the-minute information. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. This is the station Dayton turns to first for live team coverage of breaking news. WHIO Dayton Springfield. Your news starts now. Depend on it. It's 930. I'm Jonah Adi with the WHIO News Update. Our top story we're following this hour. An investigation in Springfield. A pregnant woman is shot and killed, but they are able to save her baby. Plus, four teens heading to prom. They never make it. That's all ahead. A cooler than normal start to the weekend. I'll let you know when we warm up. I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. Your exclusive WHIO forecast is coming up. WHIO triple team traffic. This hour, it's looking all clear throughout those freeways and those service streets in the Miami Valley. We're not seeing any major accidents at this time. And our top story in Springfield, the death of a woman who was pregnant when she got shot in the head is bringing people together in the community. 25-year-old Lindsay Wilson was on life support nearly two months before passing away this week. Her friends and family are coming together more and more, especially after the birth of Wilson's third son, Bailey, last Saturday. He's a little fighter. He's moving his arms and hands. 
That's WHIO's James Bukley. He says cops aren't going into specifics about their search for suspects in this case, but this is the second case this year where a pregnant woman was shot and delivered her baby before she passed away. Cops say there's no connection between these two cases. Now to Monroe, where four high school students on their way to prom ended up in the hospital after a crash. Crews say one of those teens was trapped inside that vehicle. Another was thrown from the car. At least one of those victims had to be airlifted to the hospital. Right now, we're told their families are with them. The teen's classmates at prom were told about the crash. Counselors were there to assist them. On Capitol Hill, President Trump and German Chancellor Angela Merkel talking North Korea and other issues yesterday in the Oval Office. Just after a historic summit between North and South Korea's leaders, and a month ahead of a potential meeting between dictator Kim Jong-un and President Trump. Fox's Caroline Shively in Washington says President Trump expressing hope for a time of peace between the two Koreas. In Dayton, two people and two cats are safe after a house fire on Clover Street in Dayton. One of those victims was a homeless man who was taken to the hospital. Cops say the other man is going to be questioned for possible arson in connection to the fire. This happened. This has reportedly been a problem in that neighborhood where people going into homes and uh, vacant homes and starting fires inside. There's no word yet if the man who was hospitalized will be questioned, but injuries, as far as his injuries go, rather, they are not serious. Now let's get a look at our forecast from meteorologist McCall Vrydags. For today, lots of clouds in place, perhaps a stray shower from time to time, but really it'll be a mainly dry day, cooler than average with highs into the low 50s. I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags in the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. A latest scan of the Doppler 7 radars all clear throughout the Miami Valley. We've got some cloudy overcast skies So uh, at this time. It's 41 degrees in Troy, 43 in Springfield and in Dayton at 933. I'm Jonah Adi on AM 1290 and News 95.7. WHIO. Depend on it. What's that mean to you? A friend come to visit? Maybe. It's a delivery. Ooh. Or maybe it's a tech on a service call. Uh, that a problem? Let me explain. Okay. It makes me wonder. About. Are they here to help me? Or. Or will they scam me? Hate that. Am I wrong? You should be. Because. Service starts with trust. It ought to. It does at CJS Heating and Air. Every tech. On every call. Clean and screen. Trained and timely. I like that. We explain the work. Before getting started? Sure. So there are no surprises. And the price quoted? Is the price you pay. Even if added work is needed. Because everything we do is all about you. You call. We come. It's fixed. Guaranteed. Want proof? Read our reviews. Lots with five stars. That's how we earn your trust. Year after year. Because CJS means yes. To keeping you comfy. Year round. 24 hours. Every day. Sounds simple. So why doesn't everyone do it that way? Makes you wonder. She's Val. He's Jim. We're CJS. Heating and Air. Dot com. Hi, this is Larry Hanskin. As you may well know by now, I threw out all my brushes and rollers years ago. I will never lift a paintbrush again because of university painters. At one point in time, I actually thought I could paint. No way, though. Not ever again. A professional paint job really makes a difference. And I can see the results every day throughout my home, living room, family room, even my man cave basement. So when I needed the exterior of my home painted this year, do you think I went shopping for ladders? No, I did what you should do. I called Chris at University Painters, 630-3800. Chris came out, gave me a complete estimate, and got me on the schedule. Now, speaking of which, the schedule's filling up, so you need to call Chris yourself at 630-3800 and get your free estimate and take advantage of the spring special of 50% off all paint and materials. Have your home really pop after the toll weather's taken on it and leave the scraping, the patching, the caulking, and, of course, the painting to the pros. My friends at University Painters, call today, 630-3800, or go on onlineuniversitypainters.com. This is WHIO's Clark Howard. I save you money, and the gang at WHIO work hard to bring you live breaking weather, traffic, and news right here. WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. 937-457-1290 as we talk about the role that government entitlements play in our lives. What is their impact on us and our citizens, on our families? If you'd like to join us, give us a call at 457-1290. We've got some truths about entitlements that we're going to share with you here today. And also we're going to uh, touch on the psychology or the the uh, attitude that 
our country seems to have about entitlements. But let's find out about some of the attitudes close to home here. We'll welcome Will to the program. Will, welcome to There is a Season. Well, hello, guys. How are you? I want to say I love your show. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Um, I guess my, my big thing is that uh, you brought up a, a means testing. Um, means testing to me seems uh, uh, like a terrible idea. seems like the people who pay into these entitlements uh, are the people who then would be not receiving any of those entitlements. Um, and plus another thing that I think is actually disturbing is that uh, to, to actually qualify the, for these entitlements, um, the government has set the standard at four times the amount of poverty level. So I think that's quite odd. The, that they've, uh, they've arbitrarily set that number? Yes. Yeah. What would you do if if you uh, if you were king for a day, uh, which is not uh-huh. a very democratic thing to say, but if you were king for a day and you could make a change, what would you do uh, overall? I mean, you could obviously get into the weeds on any one of these major programs, but what would you do in general about the nation's, uh, say, addiction well, to entitlements or perspective on it? Uh, first thing I think I would do is eliminate the entitlement level by a lot of the entitlements at the federal level. Uh, entitlements should actually uh, come from the state. Each state should actually manage its people, uh, not the federal government. So things such as the um, Department of Education, um, Department of uh, Interior, uh, some of those um, some of those departments that actually should be managed by each individual state. Uh, would be one of the first things I would eliminate. The second thing I would eliminate is um, the we have a minimum, so I would eliminate that four times. So if you're here's our poverty level. If you're at that poverty level and below, then then you should qualify, mm-hmm. not four times over and above. Uh, second of all, I, or third of all, I think I would uh, set percentage levels. Military gets fifty percent. Discretionary spending gets 25%. Uh, Social Security, uh, if you pay into it, I understand there's going to be those people who can't afford to pay into it or can't, aren't capable of paying into it. Um, and I think no one has any questions about them receiving benefits. But, um, you know, the means test and say, you know, just because you can't afford it and you saved and you've done all the right things, you can't get it. Right. Um, yeah. So you're, what, you 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 don't want to socialize that benefit? No. Right. Do you think there ought to be work no. requirements for welfare recipients who are able-bodied adults that don't have any dependents? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, we... Like I said, again, that should be done on the state level, and each state knows its economy, and each state knows um, its demographics, and uh, they know you know people that live in rural country, rural areas, can't necessarily. Um, get to work because there is no public transportation and right. you know that's why i think those should be set at the state level okay thank you very much i appreciate the uh, the input today yeah thank you guys thank you take Thanks. care you know one of the the issues that commonly uh, comes up here when we talk about again the big three the medicare medicaid and, and social security is what did people put in you know go, to go back to this point about whatever the promise was what did people put in versus what came out and or what they're drawing out and there have been some studies done here, and the reality is that a male earning an average wage over his lifetime will receive from Medicare lifetime benefits in retirement that amount to about $180,000. Lifetime Medicare taxes for this average male would have amounted to only $61,000. Thus, over a lifetime, the individual would have earned only about one-third of the amount that they were going to draw out. For women, it's even higher. Uh, her lifetime benefits will amount to $207,000, even though she would have paid in, uh, again, a similar ratio into the program. So she will have collected $146,000 more in benefits than she's put in. These are difficult things for people to project. I know we've got a lot of smart people who try to take pencil to paper and calculator and figure these things out. But when the programs were put in, people had a certain life expectancy, right? And everybody was thinking, you get past 60, 62, 65, you're going to retire. You're going to draw out X amount of dollars, either in Social Security or in Medicare. 
Lo and behold, you wake up a generation later, people are living to 80 and 85 years old, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We haven't even touched here, which is a whole other can of worms, the idea of public sector promises that are on here with regard to unions and so forth. The private sector does not have the equivalent. We have the 401k generation, people who put money aside for themselves, but we don't have pensions for the private sector the way we do in the public sector. What do those liabilities cost us as taxpayers? 457 You're going to welcome Larry to the program, who's been waiting patiently. Welcome to There is a Season. How are you? Just fine, just fine. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, uh, the baby boomers, I think, are about the biggest block of people since since we were all born right after the war ended. And we're going to start dying at 1000 a, a month or whatever, uh, 2000 a month. And as we die off, that should be freeing up quite a bit of cash because we won't be drawn for Medicare or for our retirement. And the people who are retiring probably won't be near as many of them retiring as there are those of us that are dying. And it looks like that would free up a lot of money. And yeah. then I don't, I, I don't understand either why they put people on Social Security disability between, between the ages, say, of 20 and 35 or 40 years old, and they draw from the system, and they haven't put anything into the system. Right. And, you know, right. if they want to give them something, just give them welfare. You know, but don't call it social security disability and then want to take from the rest of us who have put in a whole lifetime of work. And some of us are are still working at 60 and 70 years old and putting into the system. It looks like they would take take the other people off, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You get uh, into a lot. You get into a lot of these, uh, you know. Why this person, not that person? And what what ends up happening here is you sort of have this social competition. Uh, even earlier this week, uh, I think Rush Limbaugh was talking about it at one point. He was saying there had been a survey of millennials who were uh, disenchanted because they looked at the baby boomer population saying they're that much needier for government uh, entitlements because they didn't save money. And then their attitude was, what's going to be there for us? And of course, Rush took that uh, whole demographic to task saying, why would you rely on the government at all? You know, work, save and so forth and forget about any kind of entitlement. My yeah. point is simply we have this competition then within the culture about resources, which mathematically are going to be upside down, at least for a generation, perhaps a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. But, you know, you too, you know, whenever you're you financial things for people, if I was to put the money in since I started working at 16 years old, putting into Social Security, if I had to put that money into a 401k or, or an IRA account, I wonder how much money I'd have now at 70. Right. Instead of and, putting it in the government, if I had to put it in an IRA account, I wonder how much I'd probably have over a million dollars, wouldn't you think? <laughs> probably. There, there is yeah. something called the rule of eights that you uh-huh. can look up if you want to research the rule of eights. Supposedly, mm-hmm. your money at average return rate of return in the stock mm-hmm. market over the years, your money doubles every eight years. So yeah. I, I think that still holds true mathematically. Uh, but yes, if a lot of people were encouraged early on not to necessarily put it into the, the government, but to put it into mm-hmm. their own money with yeah. some risk, that yeah. generally they'd be better off. Yeah. Wasn't the government supposed to do that with our Social Security? Weren't they supposed to put it into an account and let it draw interest? And then as we retired, then pay it out to us? Isn't that how that was supposed well, to work when well, it was first set up? Yeah, I don't know about the, the actual specifics, but I can say this. Uh, that the whole notion, I remember uh, Al Gore saying an awful lot during the 2000 election that uh-huh. nobody was going to touch the Social Security lockbox. Well, there is no lockbox. Yeah. Yeah. They're simply IOUs written from the general yeah. fund back to Social Security. Yeah. So this notion that somehow there's money set aside yeah. with its own retirement uh, yeah. trajectory, like a portfolio, is yeah. is bunk. And uh, yeah. really, it's, a, it's right now we're facing a math situation. We've got yeah. a lot of folks who yeah. are living oh, yeah. and using these programs. So I ask again, 457-1290, and I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot, Larry. Okay, uh, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, you know, what do you think about entitlements? Have we gotten to oursel- ourselves to a point where this is so ingrained that we think we can't change it? Is this simply the way it is? Um, and, you know, again, I don't have, and Gloria, does, we're not ec- economists. We don't have a magic pill here or an answer. We're wondering what people think about this. Will there ever be a time where someone has to be the financial grown-up and say, I'm sorry, this isn't working, and maybe we had made some mistakes in previous generations about how we modeled this thing, but it isn't going to work going forward.
Yeah, and Baba, I think there's a lot of people who aren't even thinking about it, who don't worry, who just say, it'll be there for me. Don't worry. They're right. not paying attention to the numbers. Somebody else will take care of it. That's, that's right. of course, why we're doing this this show here. Right. There is but... a season. So let's welcome Bill from Centerville. Bill, thanks for hanging on. You're up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the beginning of the show, you talked about $21 trillion in uh, debt, and, and people throw out a trillion. I think one of the problems in our society is People don't know what a trillion is. They can maybe spell it. They maybe know how many zeros. But I wanted to give two examples of what a trillion is. A trillion seconds. If you go through the math, I was going to ask you a question, but instead of taking your time and asking a question, a trillion seconds is 31,700 years. That's a fact. You can figure that. You know, you can go through the math. Wow. Yeah. And the other example I'll give on a trillion, a trillion inches is 15,800 miles, or that would equate to 33 round trips to the moon and back. So anyway, (laughs) the thing, I guess what I'm saying is that in our society, if people think that... uh, well, if we go for twenty-one trillion, if we go to twenty-two trillion, what's the big deal? You know, I mean, what's everybody worried about? They're not really worried because they don't really know what a trillion is. Well, and it's uh, it, imagine if our entire everything we do or sell in this country is worth about about as much as our current debt. Imagine if the debt was called, right? If somebody's had to say, you got to pay up or we're foreclosing on everything you own or everything you're doing, or we're going to garnish your wages, starting with every last citizen to pay down this debt. Now, of course, people won't do that. They'll say the U.S. is still the best bet out there in the world economy, right? Uh, right. We're, we're not, we're, so far, we're not, uh, although we have done, what do they call it, quantitative easing when they started printing all the money during oh, the Obama yeah. era. Quantitative, I love that. Uh, printing extra money. We're not doing it on the level that Argentina and Greece and places like this do where inflation runs rampant and you've got six and 700% increases uh, over the course of a month. We're not quite there, but we are at a, at a stage now where these debts, and, and believe me, and, and I appreciate the call, Bill. Thank you. The, okay. uh, we're, we're not talking here even about the short-term debt. If you add up all of the unfunded liabilities at the state, federal, and local level, it is estimated to be 80 to $100 trillion. 80 to a trillion, $100 trillion. We don't have the population of China. We don't have that many people employed. So the question is, are, are the numbers so fantastic, beyond even his examples, that this doesn't make any sense? Who is going to say, hey, we got to stop this train you know, and go in a different direction. Four, five, seven, twelve, nine. Let's try to squeeze in one more here. George from Troy, thanks for calling. Yeah, I think uh, John F. Kennedy had the right idea at his inauguration speech uh, when he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And I think that could be put in uh, to a more uh, succinct uh, way uh, in our modern-day uh, language, and that is basically no one owes you anything, no matter who you are. Unless you have paid into a system, then then that's that's the deal there. But everybody, you know, so many people feel entitled, and uh, no one owes anybody anything. And I I think that that every American should know that. And I think uh, JFK was trying to transmit that in a, in a much more uh, eloquent way. Uh, I also believe that uh, FDR had the right idea when he started the uh, uh, assistance programs during the depression. They never ma- they didn't mail checks to people that were poor or unemployed. They had work programs, and I believe uh, I like that other caller that said you know that should be more state level assistance. But who whomever gives out the assistance, there should be a work, uh, in, you know, to for your pay. Uh, if you're a, a single mother, uh, there's plenty of uh, daycares that could use your help. Uh, everybody, I don't, if you're if you're uh, if you're uh, in a wheelchair. I think Stephen Hawkins proved to all of us that even there, you can do great work. You know, there's a computer that you can sit at. It. Nobody should be mailed a check. Everybody should work for their money. And the last thing I think, uh, I, last that I had on the subject, I love your program, uh, is you. uh, that uh, we have, uh, the, the baby boomers are the biggest recipients of, of, uh, of uh, retirement benefits right now and uh, Social Security. 
And we don't have enough people paying into the system. That's the way it was set up. A whole lot of people supporting a few people. Now it's fewer people supporting a whole lot of people. They predict our, our, uh, the next generations are going to be taxed up to 80% of their money to take care of us yeah. old folks. That's not going to work. Uh, we, you know, we had the big abortion thing that's killed off 60 million people. Those people have to be replaced. We're going to have to open up our immigration policy uh, to import people to replace those 60 million missing Americans. Yeah, I mean, there's I a, there's the a lot of moving parts. And I pre- we got to go to a break, George. I appreciate appreciate your call. Uh, thank you very much. The uh, the he he made one uh, point in there about the uh, you know how many people it takes to support a, a retiree. And when the program first uh, was set up, we were talking about maybe eight people could support one person in the retirement. Now it's going to be about every couple. Yep. Every two people. And, uh, you know, it seems to be uh, that everyone's thinking in terms of what is our tax going to be to do this? Can we grow our way out of this to pay for this generation? Can we not? Very difficult situation ahead. And we'll we'll touch on this program, uh, touch on this topic again here in future programs. We're talking entitlements today. We've got more for you here right after the break. We ask you to stay with us. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Dayton and Springfield Station for 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And our Ask the Expert weekends. AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. If keeping up the beauty of your home, lawn, and landscape is at the top of your to-do list, you're in good company. Hi, this is Randy with Green Velvet Sod Farms, and we are the spring season's biggest fan because, for us, it means all things outside your window will be waking up and showing off their natural green beauty, including your lawn. Since 1959, Green Velvet has been your trusted local supplier of Ohio's most beautiful Kentucky bluegrass and turf-type tall fescue sod. You can count on us to provide you with products to keep your landscape healthy and thriving with our top-quality grass seeds, fertilizers, weed control products, and much more. But quality products are just the tip of the grass blade here at Green Velvet. We've built our business on relationships with people who trust the knowledge and advice of our team of turf professionals. Visit one of our four Dayton or Columbus locations or online at greenvelvet.com for solutions to your specific lawn care needs. It's easy to be green with Green Velvet. Your local in-the-grass experts for 59 years and growing. Listen, can you hear it? That's the call of adventure. Whoa, intense. But that's what you get at Miami Valley Gaming. Because on April the 28th, we're giving away a brand new Keystone Cougar half-ton RV or 20000 cash. So if you're someone who's looking for adventure, come down for your chance to win on April 28th. See player services for complete rules. Must be 21. Gambling problem in Ohio? Call the gambling helpline at 1-800-589-9966. Did you know Ohio's hospice offers the most comprehensive and comfortable end-of-life care? Whatever your needs may be, Thanks to generous community support, your local not-for-profit provider offers services others may not, including therapies and personal counseling from our expert staff, so you and your family can live more fully during life's final months. Make your choice the best choice. Choose Ohio's Hospice. Chuck, what we realized was your plan gives us peace of mind because we have a guarantee never to lose money against the market again. So that means security for us. Our accounts grow tax-free and we can access our money tax-free. What more could you possibly want? Chuck Oliver of The Hidden Wealth Solution will get your retirement on track. Visit retirementprotected.com. That's retirementprotected.com. Let me tell you why I love EDC. They take my favorite pin jewelry styles and bring them to life. At the Spring Bling event, they'll have all the brand new styles for 2018. And the designers will be in town to show me in person. I can take advantage of up to thousands of dollars in savings from up to 30% off store-wide or 48 months interest-free financing. Plus, I can schedule a personalized appointment to meet one-on-one with the designers April 27th through the 29th. It's true. If you haven't shopped EDC this spring, you're not done shopping yet. For today, lots of clouds in place, perhaps a stray shower from time to time, but really it'll be a mainly dry day, cooler than average with highs into the low 50s. I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags in the Miami Valley Severe Weather Station, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. 
It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather and traffic, AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. And you have been so good today with your phone calls. We appreciate that and tell you what we're going to hold us over and uh, and pick up this topic again next week. And we're going to get into some other things a little bit different. We're going to talk a little bit more about the psychology of entitlement. Uh, what, what goes on? How did we get here as a nation? And what do we think going forward may be some of the solutions? So I encourage you to uh, join us again uh, as we pick up part two of this program next week. Now, in the meantime, some things to mull over here in the next week are some truths about the American Entitlement Program. Uh, and this is an article written by uh, Bruce Jostin, who was uh, the executive vice president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce for a time. And what are some of these? You want me yeah, to start, Bob? go ahead. All right. So these are all things we must recognize, and we're going to have to act upon these. Truth number one, entitlement programs are huge, expensive, and reach into every corner of American life. Truth number two, entitlement programs are not self-funding and are a main driver of our deficits. And truth number three, entitlement costs are growing at an alarming rate. I think we've touched upon all of this in the earlier parts of the show today. Yeah, as a matter of fact, they were talking uh, in in this article here about in, 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 we're going to give you a little insight. This is a 2013 article. We are five years past these projections. But at that time, they were talking about in 10 years time, (laughs) the total price for just the big three, Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security was going to exceed $3 trillion per year to get back to the examples we had about trillion, mm-hmm. $3 trillion a year. So they are growing at an alarming rate. Here's another one we touched on during the program. Longer life expectancies, changing demographics, and soaring costs, particularly in healthcare, explain why entitlements, as we know are uh, today, are unsustainable. We've got to find some other method of paying for these things, right? right? They're just unsustainable. Right. So not a single major entitlement program is projected to be financially solvent 20 years from now. Not a single one of them. Truth number six, the cost to make these programs financially solvent for the next 75 years, are you ready for this, is almost $40 trillion. And again, that's just the federal level. That doesn't right. count the, right. the liabilities of the state and local. Right. Truth number seven, mandatory spending, entitlement programs, and interest on the debt are already squeezing out important investments in other essential programs. Number eight, we have nothing to fear from carefully crafted, phased-in adjustments to our entitlement programs, or do we? What if we change the age of retirement? What if we change the uh, proactively change the amount of money that's going to be drawn out? What if the promise becomes smaller right. than what it is? Right. Truth number nine, we can reform entitlements without baseline cuts and without breaking our commitment to the nation's seniors, people with disabilities, and the poor. And truth number 10, the biggest threat imaginable to Medicare or Social Security as we know them will be if we do nothing at all. So think about it here. They tried to take away uh, promised higher education, I think, in Britain, right? And they were, people were burning cars in the streets, right? They tried to take away certain I thought that programs. was at UD. Oh, oh well, sorry. Sorry. That, that's <laughs> that's only every other basketball season. No, I'm, I'm teasing. Uh, and, or St. Patrick's Day. Right. Uh, and then they, they were also in Greece. We had all kinds right. of people in riots, riots and so forth. Anytime we tried to throttle these things back. Yep. All right. More to come next week. Thanks for being with us today. Takes an extra moment to stop and care for someone in your life or someone you simply encounter. And remember, dear friends, never regret growing older. It is a privilege denied to many. For my dear friend and co-host Gloria, our producer, and all those who make the show possible, a big thank you to you all. I'm Bob Wolf, and you've been listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Have a great week. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.